Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy, and joining me is Ian Joseph. This week, we'll review what wasn't a fruitful trip to King's Home. We'll briefly talk about the A team friendly against Melrose. Look ahead to Exeter, but we've got the slip week. This week in the league, it's our our bye weekend. Chat about a few things in the rugby world. Who's just call up for Italy? And the fact that there's players wearing tights. We're all aghast at that. We'll also mention quickly how there's a kit in the shop and the ballot results coming in for the England games. So I was one of the unfortunate few that made the journey to King's Home. And we actually started off all right for the first seven or eight minutes or so. We had the possession, we had the territory, but I think the, the story of the whole of the first half and certainly part of the second is we had absolutely no inc- incisiveness when we had the ball in hand. We kept going sideways, 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 getting nullified, and there wasn't that little um, spark of inspiration or any way of exposing a chink in the Gloucester armour, and they matched us very well in defence, and to be fair, I think when they had the ball, we matched them reasonably well as well. It's just, once again, penalties killed us. And um, overall in the whole game, I think we only got one penalty until the injury time at the end of the second half. Whereas Gloucester were getting penalty after penalty after penalty and they'd get one in their own 22. They'd then get one about halfway. They'd then get one at kickable range. And that's what put paid to us. Well, they'd go for the corner and get a try from it. And it was the same, same as what's happened in the last few weeks. Got on the wrong side of the referee and penalty came after penalty and that's what did it. It's a similar story though, isn't it? About you've talked about a lack of incisiveness, and but it's definitely true, and it's something you know that we do unfortunately mention pretty much every week is that we do work positions well, we get in there 22, we have lots of phases, but don't take the chances. And it's as you say early on, we did have possession and territory down there, but we didn't take chances, uh, and that, that's what's killing us. And Again, you know, I don't understand I broke a record, but it is from the season ultimately is the bonus points. And the fact we weren't able to get more points, you know, of course, for the fact we gave way too many penalties means that, all right, you could argue we deserved the lost, but arguably it should have been closer and we could have picked up what could have been about a bonus point. But because of those two factors that we weren't clinical enough and we gave away too many penalties meant that we go away from there very, very disappointingly and frustratingly with no points. The first half, um, we didn't get a single uh, point on the board and at half time it was 13 or 16 nil or something like that. Then in the second half, we started off much the same vein. And then what actually changed the game in our favour was when uh, Hodgson and Norden Clemetti came on and um, suddenly there was a spark. We looked like we wanted to win the game. We were going there with a bit more drive and desire, but it was too little too late. And um, in the centres especially, I just felt like we, going forward, had had nothing that was going to liven things up it just didn't... You look at other teams in the Premiership, they break a tackle, get an offload away, good support lines and rest of it. It just, just didn't feel like that was ever going to happen on Saturday. Yeah, well, yeah, I was actually going to say that just before about how when you do watch other teams, I mean, I've watched some, obviously some of the games of the weekend and, you know, you see these teams piling in tries before half time and some of them clinching bonus points really early into the game. Uh, and it goes back to, again, what we said before about it's all very well having a good defence. We do have a very good defence, but unfortunately having a good defence doesn't get you those crucial bonus points where if you get hammered, but you score your points or you or you are pretty close to it in terms of obviously the scoreboard, then you do pick up points. Look at London Irish. Obviously, they had a brilliant win, which I'm sure we'll mention later on in the podcast. But they've that was their first win in the league in 10. That was their first win in the league this season, obviously. And there they are, 
ahead of us. Well, sorry, level on points, aren't they? We're ahead of them because we have one more game. But there they are, level on us on points, only won one game all season. And that, that kind of sums it up, really. Certainly does. Um, if we go back to the issue on discipline, penalty after penalty after penalty given against us. Part of me was thinking that Wayne Barnes was one of these referees where he gets something in his head and he just sticks with it. But also, we were giving him the opportunity to blow for penalties. There was things like, there was one where George McGregor went around the side and I can't believe that it wasn't out the way that he did it because professional players don't go and dive on the ball or pick the ball up like that. But the fact is that we'd already given away five or six penalties in quick succession at that point and we just gave him the option to blow the whistle again. It might have been better just to, they're in their own 22, they weren't going to do anything with the ball, just let them hoof it back to us and this will get a line on the 10-metre line, as opposed to doing what might have been technically correct, but you can almost guarantee that the whistle's going to get blown. I think the worry for me is that it's starting to sound a bit like it was in the relegation season when, when we do lose... You know, it's almost the same kind of excuses. I don't call it that. About we didn't play the referee well, and it's the same failings. Uh, all right, maybe slightly different failings this time, maybe not to the same degree. But it just seems to be like the same things every week, and we do end up talking. Even when we've won, we still end up sort of talking about the same sort of deficiencies every week. And you know, I do have a worry that there's just sort of an inability to kind of correct that. I know it's only been six games, and maybe they can sort things out with the bye week. And but it, I think that is a slight like concern. And you know, games are going past, and if you, we do still have any hope of trying to get in that top six, you know, we, we've got to change that. We have to, we have to rectify that. And it's got, to, it has to be. You know, it's what we're always saying this, but it has to be sooner rather than later. And if that means working out what the referee's going to do, then you play six games in. You know, let's get that right. Yeah. Um... And I mentioned that game changed a bit when Hodgson uh, and Granati came on. Um, we got it back to within three points at one stage there. And I was chatting to the Gloucester fans around me in the ground and they were all getting a bit worried. And then what do we do? We go back to Falcons World and come see penalties and try some kickoffs. And before you know it, they're 15 or 16 points ahead of us again. And then we, we got that consolation try at the very end, which made the score a lot less embarrassing. Um, but we're still nine points adrift at, the, at full time. And um, Dean Richards' comments after the games were very much along the lines of indiscipline cost us dearly again. But how many weeks in a row is this going to happen? Players haven't got the discipline. Why are they playing? It's not difficult to not give away penalties. There's, there must be something going on there, which means the players are doing this. I mean, I think also, I mean, we've touched about how generally our defence is very good. But, you know, you're going to have games or you're going to play against teams who are going to maybe get the better of your defence. When that happens... You have to front up to it in terms of the discipline, but also you have to be able to score points at the other end. And, you know, it was pretty telling how, how you mentioned that obviously the first half at half time didn't score a single point. I mean, if you look at every other games and the other teams, how many other teams have gone through? I think there's been two halves at least this season where we haven't scored a single point. I mean, how many other teams, even your Worcesters or whatever, may, you know, or Bath pick it, you know, they, they don't seem to go through halves where they don't pick up any points. Um, so that's something that you know we've really, really got to rectify. We can't just rely on, admittedly, what is a very solid defence every game because solid defence doesn't get you tries, and that that's what we desperately need. And I thought it was disappointing that we did a bit like Saracens, sort of a bit sloppy with ball in hand, which then kind of led to the opportunity for them to then get a try right at the death to kind of seal it. Again, a bit like Saracens, I know maybe the game wasn't quite, was perhaps a bit more gone by that stage than it was in the Saracens game in terms of get, getting the bonus point. But again, it was a really unnecessary sort of killing try for us. And unfortunately, it's just sort of a bit, it's just kind of adding up at the moment, isn't it? When I was watching the game, the first 10 minutes or so, we 
kind of had the ball a lot. We're in, in there, in and around there, 22. And we never actually looked like scoring, if, if you're perfectly honest. I was, I was sitting behind the posts at the, the far end away from it, so I had a reasonably good view of the pitch. And whenever we were passing on the back line, we are always lined up well tackled. And it was making me think it was basically a perfect day for, for rugby. It was quite still, crisp, and it's an artificial pitch. At what point do we change tactics and just think, well, we may as well start going for drop goals because you get a nice three points out of it. If you got a penalty in front of the post, we'd probably kick for goal. You're not going to get many better opportunities set up than that. And if you miss the drop goal, you get the ball back anyway from the 22 dropout and you can start again. And I was just thinking, given that we haven't got that cutting edge, would it be wise just to take three points and then get the ball back off kickoff and start start working with the pitch again? I don't know. Possibly, but I think there's a, because there's a relegation this season, I think there is there's be a tendency that teams do want to play more. You see it in every game, don't you, where there is an opportunity or there's a penalty not far out from the opposition try line that you know they tend to try and go for the line out or run it or tap it or whatever instead of going for points or maybe or, or always thinking after a few phases right you know we actually need to secure points here you know we've got to take this chance where perhaps there is there isn't quite that tension anymore that, that they don't do that and I guess that's the flip side of the argument to ring fencing because one I need to say oh it's more exciting because you're more you're more open to try things on but the flip side of it is that well, you know, you not you can actually not pick up many points, ironically. Um, but I think also it kind of comes from, we mentioned before, still I think it was evident on Saturday, centres as well. There wasn't much creativity there, well, there wasn't much going on there. And I think that, that unfortunately, that well, that is, that is the Achilles heel because you could argue the rest of the squad is, you know, yes, they're not going to play brilliantly every week, but generally we can week out the rest of the positions all filled pretty well and they all perform pretty well. Um, but again, at centres, it just doesn't seem to be working as an attacking force. And, and, and I know Radwan has been kept quiet, but I think he's worth a mention that because he's he's a player that can obviously pull a rabbit out of a hat, like like a Dragons Bath, for example. Just having him on the pitch causes problems, and you know he could have created something out of nothing. And I, I know he was injured, and, and so be it. And he was probably due one of these sort of arrest anyway. But um, maybe that was a factor as well. And I think all this combination of that just sort of was pretty much our downfall, really. I think. Yeah, um, funny to see Cecino against us. He was sporting a nice black eye, but he, he played reasonably well. And um, one of these funny little things that happened at the end, um, Carreras' brother came on off the bench for Gloucester. And there's a couple of times the two of them ran into each other and exchanged some brotherly love, which was one of these nice little things that you see on rookie pitch every now and again. Overall, I felt like we nullified their attack reasonably well. They got around us on the outside a few times, and it frustrating that Johnny May managed to get a try, given he was wearing tights, but... So be it. I think a pretty simple two-on-one or something that got put away in the end. But there's a few players. I know we expressed our dismay at tights being introduced. I saw Max Malins wearing them as well this weekend. But it seems like, as we thought, there'll be a few players that love themselves and the outside backs that are wearing them. Well, I mean, maybe we can take consolation that it is only two players. <laughs> uh, so there doesn't appear to be a large uptake in the offer of wearing tights. So at least we can have some hope there for professional for professional rugby going forward, at least at least at the moment. Yeah, certainly. Looking ahead at the weekend ahead of us, it's Newcastle Falcons has turned to have a bye week as a result of there being 13 teams in the league this year. So therefore, we don't have a competitive first team fixture. But what's quite nice is there's a friendly on Friday night against Melrose, um, raising money for the Doddy Weir Foundation. So I know that a few people are heading up to that after work on Friday. I think it's a 7.30 kickoff, which means that you have to 
leave pretty sharpish to get up there in time, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what put me off. I mean, I think if, if it was a Saturday or Sunday, I think I would have really liked to have gone up, you know, spent an afternoon in, in the Melrose and the Borders. But I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just a bit more, bit tight for me to go up on a Friday night, unfortunately. Um, I wonder why they played on a Friday, actually, because I would have thought we'd have got more, certainly Falcons fans coming up the weekend, maybe. I wonder if the Falcons said, oh, well, because of our trading schedules or whatever, we would prefer recovery time and such. We'd prefer if you did Friday night and, you know, Melrose, I suppose, on a position to say no. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, the more people who can come up, then we'll go up for that, then, then the better. And obviously, it's for an absolutely great cause. And these games are always great fun anyway. It's a nice place. It's a really nice place. If you haven't been up there before, it is one of the, I think, well, it is one of the nicest places. And it's a real traditional rugby heartland. And it's a great place to watch rugby. So if you are able to and you feel charitable and you just want to watch a good match, then then please, off you go. Certainly. And after that, we're up against Exeter Chiefs. Um, we don't want to talk too much about last season, what happened there. I mean, we'll put a thing, our strongest possible team out. I mean, Exeter, you know, extra Exeter, obviously going to be very, very good. However, they so far this season haven't been as good as perhaps they normally have. They've you know, had a couple of de- surprise defeats, including to London Irish, um, the weekend just gone. So, I mean, you never know, but I think, it's going to be very, very tough to get anything from it. Are they going to lose twice in a row at home? Probably not. Uh, have we shown that we're able to sort of score the points to to maybe win these type, perhaps the tight games? I guess we did against Bristol, but away to Exeter, it seems a bit of a tall order. I think if we come away from, you know, a rare for us losing bonus point, I think we can be satisfied from that. We'll just take what what we can from there, really. It's not going to be impossible to get a result, but I think it'd be a bit of a tough ask, and let's just sort of keep our fingers crossed, really. Yeah, hopefully um, when we've got our week off recuperate, they get a big win and get complacent, and then we knock them back down to size the week after. But is that a Friday or Saturday or Sunday, that one? So uh, it's a funny kickoff time because it's also England v Tonga, the first of the Autumn International Games. And because of that, it's a half-five kickoff. And for those who also want to watch the football, uh, you can see an Asian away at Brighton, I think on Sky at the same time, or Sky or BT, at half-five at the same time. So if you can't watch both, then you have to uh, have radio for Falcons or tell you on for, for, for Toon but yeah it's, it's, it's a half five kickoff because the delay is for uh, England Tonga so presumably those at Sandy Park can watch at the clubhouse and then tip out to watch uh, the, the league game whilst we're talking about the TV schedules um, TV schedules being released for the Christmas period and it might not have escaped anybody's attention there's no Falcons games being televised over the Christmas period nor Worcester but all of Bristol's are and two out of the three for most of the major clubs and Really is annoying me. This it's, they just kind of forget about. It. I I can only assume it's because it's driven by advertising revenue, and therefore they're just simply more fans for other clubs. But um, I don't I don't know whether you're aware of it. But is the TV money put in a central pot that's then divvied out equally amongst all Premiership clubs, or are the Premiership clubs which are televised given a bigger slice of the pie? I'm not sure. I, th- I think it could be a bit of both because I think there is a, a, a central pot in terms of a TV deal for the league. Um, that I think 
BT pick them in terms of what obviously they think, oh, well, these clubs have more fans and there's more appeal for, for these players playing for these clubs. So we'll show these clubs because then they get more revenue, I suppose, for them as a broadcaster and advertisers obviously think, oh, well, we want to be on the game. You know, we want to have, have games that show them have more people watching it. So ergo, they then pick the teams they think have the most appeal to them. Um, but but it is annoying and it, it's many ways it's unjustified. I have seen arguments when I, you know, on Twitter about from the other side saying, well, you know, these are these are clubs who do get large crowds every week, so it makes sense that they're shown more. That's just how some of it works. And I can understand that. But at the same time, you know, to be fair to, to you know, people criticise football, but to be fair to, to the way the football do it is obviously that they do it in blocks. And then when you get an idea of what league table is after a period of time, then they can, then they can pick the game. So let's say... I will use a football example if I can. West Ham, for example, you know, they're not a team that's normally up near the top of the league. However, they have a really good season this season. So they're going to feature in more bigger games on Sky and BT than they would perhaps otherwise. Now, I can't see why, for example, let's say Falcons, for example, let's say if we are going around top six towards Christmas time, you know, you're looking towards halfway in the year and we're in those positions, we're obviously going to be one of the better teams, surely will we deserve to have the coverage of that, especially if we are going to be playing against who are supposedly the more popular side. So I mean, you can argue both ways. I can understand financial point of view, but that doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, think that that's the correct thing to do, really. Maybe it also has something to do with our points for and points against on the table, both of them being pretty low. And I guess if you want to drag in the punters to your TV platform, showing a 6-3 or a 15, 12 or whatever it ends up at full time isn't going to be the way to, to draw in the fans. Well, that's something else, isn't it? You know, I suppose we've only got ourselves to blame there. If we don't, if we go through whole halves and not scoring any points, we can't expect to be sort of pulling the neutrals in, can we, unfortunately? But what is interesting, actually, I've, I've spoken to a couple of Falcons fans overseas and it seems that if you're outside the UK, you can watch Falcons matches live. So um, it's one of these things where... I don't know what the legal situation is, but I guess in theory you could start trying things like VPNs and getting foreign subscriptions. I've got no idea what the legal situation is. I'm certainly not advising it. But I guess if you are desperate to start watching matches, these are the sort of things where people might be driven to it because um, after watching them all last year and then having very, very few televised this year, it is going to become an ever larger temptation to, to people who are deprived of their rugby. I mean, I wonder why, I mean, maybe to cost-benefit analysis from BT's point of view, but I don't know why they couldn't do like the last season in terms of using you know, the red button, where, you know, fair enough, you could have the more quote-unquote high-profile popular teams, whatever you want to call them, on the main channels. There's no reason why you couldn't, say, have a, an alternative game on the red button. I know, obviously, they've got to, because they've got the, they, you know, they have the cameras there anyway, don't they, for the highlights on, on the internet, on the Premiership Rugby website. So there is the off-film crews there, and there is a commentator anyway when you watch those, those four-match highlights. So why they couldn't just have a red-button service? To, again, it could be a cost-benefit analysis. I mean, we're just speculating, and we're just obviously because we're desperate to have as many as possible. But, you know, surely that could have been an option, which obviously just is, doesn't seem to be happening this season. I just don't understand it. I don't know why, if you remember the, the Ealing shambles last season, when there was the pay-per-view option, a great number of Falcons fans were very willing to pay a five or tenner to watch the game. And I'm not sure I'd want to pay £10 every week to watch the match, but certainly the matches where you can't get to it or whatever, I'd certainly be considering paying a five or at least to watch it live. What is it? 
cost of a pint these days in the ground. It's it's, a, it's nothing really to watch the match live as opposed to have to watch it the next day um, when you already know the result and whatever else. It, it just seems that they're losing out on potential revenue for for, for what, what gain? It's being televised anyway abroad, so why not just let the, the coverage be broadcast directly? I mean, again, like they do in football, don't in the lower leagues and the football league where um, you can pay online to watch it. So even not on TV, you can just, it's a bit like, you know, the, the Ealing debacle, but one that works a bit better. Is it, you, you could pay you could pay five pounds, as you say, there's definitely demand for it. If you just pay five pounds and broadcast it live on BT Sport website or something, I mean, even that must be, you think, worthwhile, surely. And also they can market it as, oh, it's good for the game, et cetera, et cetera, which, to be fair, it would be. And I unless, for some reason, it does cost stupendous amounts to do that and it's not worth it, which I can't see on the face of it how it would be, then why why that isn't, isn't used as an option? It's a bit bizarre, really. Yeah, um, the the argument, the counter argument I've heard is that um, clubs are worried about fans not attending games if it's all televised, which I understand to a certain extent. But then the games where it has been televised this year, the crowds haven't said the crowds haven't been significantly decreased. I mean, there's a way you could, I suppose the way you could do that is if you just have the away side <laughs> allowed to sort of broadcast on the internet. But again, I think that's been a bit picky. As you said, I don't think it's affects it's going to affect crowds too much. Um, you know, if, if people who people who go people who really want to go will go. I mean, if they, and if they can't go, then they can't go. So you may as well sort of pick up the extra revenue from the people who can't go. Surely. Well, I think the away side's a bit of a, a non-starter, given you just log on to the other club's website, wouldn't you? So that's a bit of a... ah. But then you'd have to give your details to the other club, and you know, oh, you get all the spam. I mean, I, I, mean I, I still get correspondence from Saracens for the game I went to three seasons ago. You know, even though I ticked that I didn't want to give receive anything. Oh, take them down, GDPR them. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're on the topic of TV broadcasts and whatnot. Interestingly, the England internationals, I think, are on Amazon this year, which. Um, I know there's been a lot of grumbling about it, but a stat that I saw the other day showed that Amazon has more subscribers than Sky Sports does. So I guess rugby is more accessible, but it might be that it's not necessarily accessible to the sports fans who want to watch it. Um, I mean, I remember watching it. I mean, I think they started last season, didn't they? Or maybe the season before showing some of the internationals on, on Amazon. They had that Autumn Nations League thing, didn't they, as well? They started on there. Um I thought coverage was, was fine. Um, it's not as good as if you're watching for a Skybox, but it's a hell of a lot more cheaper and accessible. All you need is Amazon Prime, which yeah, quite a few people have, or just sign to a free trial for the month. And there you go, you can watch your England games for nothing and save a, a Sky subscription. Um, so I, I think it, it's, I, th- I think that's positive. I mean, I've got Sky anyway, so, you know, it, it, for me personally, it doesn't bother me that much. But if I wasn't have Sky, if I didn't have Sky, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a really good move. Um, and I think their coverage will probably only get better. Um, and yes, it does rely on the, the internet connection and there is a slight delay, but people are probably willing to, to accept that for what is a more convenient and, and cheaper service, I suppose. But uh, yeah, no, I, I'm... Looking, for, looking forward to the internationals, so I think they'll be fine on Amazon. Yeah, but on the topic of the internationals, um, I think a uh, big well done's got to be given to Mr. Fuza getting recalled to the Italy squad. I think um, a lot of us had seen that one coming. He's been playing extremely well, not just this season, but last year as well. And um, I think it's well overdue. Yeah, so I think, as you say, we all agree that Fuza definitely deserved that. Like you say, he was brilliant last season. So far, he's been really good this season. I think we were surprised slash relieved he wasn't called up for Six Nations last season. But it looks like there's a 
risk that he will be for, for this season. But, you know, good luck to him and, and definitely credit to him. And thankfully, like Wings, we're, we're very well stocked in that department. But um, talking of Wings, Carreras again has been called up for Argentina for their autumn internationals. Um, I suppose, thankfully, there's less travelling for him because they're obviously on the Northern Hemisphere at this time of the year. So I don't know where Argentina would be based or whatever, but no, obviously halfway around the world flights or anything like that this time. So um, yes, of course, we're going to lose him um, as we're going to lose the other internationals, but hopefully not too much of a delay in his return this time. Yes, that'll leave us presumably with young Ewan Stevens and Earl on the wings. And I guess there's the potential Stevenson could go back out there and Orlando, who I don't think is in the Argentina squad due to injury, but you, you never know, he might recover enough to play for us, or I think Burrell might still be out. But um, it might be that Wright might come into the centres and Lukok perhaps goes out to 13. I don't know. I think we, we've we got enough depth to cover it. Might not necessarily be the ideal starting 15 in their preferred positions, but I think we'll be just about OK. Well, again, I mean, the internationals coincide with those cup games, really, don't they? So hopefully it won't affect sort of league selection that much. Yeah, and mentioning Ewan Stevens, actually, he's been playing recently for Blade, and obviously he's dual registered. I think he got a try the other weekend for them playing on the wing there. So he, I know a few people queried why he wasn't in the in the squads, but with only three replacements in the backs and were cocky cocky having the ability to play centre or wing, I think he's generally going to get the nod on the bench as opposed to Stevens. And I think that unfortunately, um, when you've got your likes of Radwan, Earl, Carreras. Um, Young Ewan might have to wait a year or two to become the, the preferred choice in the back line. Also Lindsay Hall as well, isn't there, who can wing or full back. Um, yeah. Never option. But we might see some of these players against Melrose, might we, give them a run out and get a bit of game time for the Vulcans. Yeah, and also I think um, young Morgan Passman's playing down a bit at Mountain Park in Darlington. So, um, yeah, these players are getting game time, whether or not it's the level they necessarily want or could be playing at, it's certainly better than none. And, um, yeah, it means that they're hopefully going to be fresh when the, the time call, comes and they're called upon. Um, we mentioned earlier on the travesty that is a few players wearing tights, but what's not a travesty is that all us fans can now wear our brand spanking new Falcon stops. We're only, what are we, a third of the way through the year, but they've arrived in the shop. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so um, I was actually off on Friday and uh, I was going past Kings Park anyway, so I just dived in and said... You know, are they re- are they ready yet? Because I, I actually, as I arrived in the car park, I could see them sort of packing packing them high around the back of the shop, and they said, "Oh, they're no, ready to collect 11 a.m. tomorrow." And uh, I'm like, "Right, okay." Because I, I was actually going off playing rugby at Billingham on on Saturday morning, so I was thinking, "Well, I've got a busy morning to come down anyway." So I, I went there, and there they were, 11 a.m. Said who I was. I think I was probably the first one, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I collected my two shirts and had them piled high. But yeah, I mean, they obviously finally arrived. Um, Actually, as a little sort of side note to this, I notice uh, with other Macron clothes, um, there seems to be maybe delay with one or two of them. So I know, it, but not all of them. So I see Sale got their shirts pretty much start the season. However, I think Northampton also Macron only got theirs very recently as well. Um, so you know, it's a funny one, isn't it? You're all Macron, but then you know, different lorries have got been held up in different ways, or whatever it is, or whatever factories they come from in Italy. Um, but yes, but they are finally here, and I'm glad to report they are actually very nice. Macron, you know, if they can't deliver on time, do you make a nice shirt? Well, it might be um, for Italian which facilitation payments are made to 
to which people, you never know what goes on behind the scenes, but um, it's, it's certainly, I'm not suggesting anything, Untoward did go on, but it is strange that certain clubs get their shirts and others don't. But um, yeah, it's frustrating, but so were you fighting off young children in the queue to get your shirt, or was it just a case of wandering into the shop and giving a reference number or what have you? Uh, no, I just wandered in and said, oh, um, just sit around and said, oh, are they able to be collected? And they just they just took two off the shelf and gave me them. Uh, I think they'd only just started to pack them out to be sent off by, by post or pack them for, for collection. But, yeah, I mean, you can just walk in and get as many shirts as you want now. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, go fill your boots, I guess. I wonder how long it will be till they start flogging them cheap for the end of the season. Maybe three or four more games and they'll start trying to flog them in the sale for next year well only two and a bit months from january sale aren't we so mm. yeah well i guess they've got them in time for christmas which is hopefully a stock and filler for as many fans as can get hold of them if we go around the rest of the premiership results from this weekend um northampton put 66 points on worcester on friday night and um worcester only got 10 in reply i think that that scoreline kind of sums up worcester's season there's a lot of speculation about whether when they sold the whole team and bought a whole new one, whether it would be for the good or for the bad. And I think that it looks like it's for the bad. Yeah, well, I mean, I said the start of the season, Worcester could be an interesting one exactly because of that. And when they won the first game of the season, you thought, oh, here we go, you know, Worcester going to be a bit better this season. But no, I mean, they look an absolute mess. Um, I mean, Northampton... It was pretty much a case of every time you looked at the TV, Northampton running in for a try, they were just absolutely wide open. And they're filled with some decent names in that team as well. But there must, I don't know if it's the training or the fact that there's the coaching or, or how they set up or the fact that there are so many new names in there and it may take a season for them to gel. But you know, you've got Van der Merve, who got stupid sim bidding, actually. Um, Rory Sutherland, though, it was what he gave away an interception trying, which was completely necessary. And they've got a couple of others in there. You, you look at them on the team think, oh, yeah, actually, he's a decent player. But something's obviously very, very wrong there. Obviously, it has been for a very long time and they're obviously quite fortunate that there hasn't been any relegation the past couple of seasons. Um, they may come good next season. You never know. Um, it, it's such a tight league. It only needs something to click in it. They may sort of write themselves, but they 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 look they they do look very very poor so far this season. Um, speaking of teams that are from poorly this season, Exeter lost again at the weekend's London Irish. Um, they lost at home twenty one points to thirty three. Um, obviously, there's our game that we lost twenty nine points to twenty against Gloucester. Harlequins did another turnaround and uh, ended up beating Bath thirty one seventeen after being quite significantly behind in that game, I think. And then Leicester beat Sale 19 points to 11. Um, on Sunday, finally, um, Saracens really turned it on against Wasps and uh, Malin's in his tights ran in four tries. Um, towards the end of that, you could really see Saracens were just that that much better than Wasps. It wasn't, it wasn't really close at the end. Saracens were just getting the ball and scoring every time they got it. So if we take, if we take a look at the league table... Um, Leicester have still got their 100% record out in the lead on 27 points after playing six games. Uh, next, we have Harlequins on 21, Saracens on 20, and Northampton on 19. All of whom have played five. Then we end up with Gloucester in fifth on 17, Exeter on 15, us on 13, Sale also on 13, as are London Irish, and all of those clubs I just read out have played six games. And then you've got Worcester on seven points, Bristol on four, and Bath on three. If we do a roundup of the, the regional results, Mowden Park had a good victory at home to Rams, 
29 points to 23, but unfortunately Bladen and League Two North got beaten away at Sheffield, whereas Tyndale stuck 36 points onto Loughborough's only 19. Billingham won 32 points to 20 at Macclesfield, and Annick got beaten by Wirral. Um, then when we go to the, the more local ones, um, Morpeth had a good victory. Unfortunately, Concert didn't, and Durham City got beaten by Pocklington. In Division 1, 2 and 3, Durham and Northumberland, lots of points as always, and I think score of the week is a toss-up between Percy Park away at Stockton, winning 65 points to 20, and then probably Ashington versus Redcar, 53 points to 19, or perhaps Gisborough versus Seam at 55 points to 9. And I think probably game of the week would have been right in 36, gates at 47. I'm not sure what order the scoring went in that game, but it's points galore and quite quite close still, running down uh, 11 points in it. So next week there won't be a podcast as there's no first-team fiction. So, after one of our more macabre folk on Falcons has um, come to the end of it. So, thank you for listening, everybody. And hopefully next time we speak to you in a fortnight, we've got some better news to report. Hope so, Wayne or Exeter. Uh, but bye, everyone.